it's almost like a little bit of detective work in a way. And that has an appeal. It's, it's kind of a game-like challenge. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Chief Marketing Officer. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. So, Andrew, it's another exciting episode about grammar. Okay. Didn't we say enough last week? <laughs> so when you say enough about grammar, of course, that makes me think of the book. Enough, enough about, about grammar, grammar right. and the paradoxes, yeah. which yeah. we talked about. The four paradoxes, mm -hmm. the three divisions, the two worst and two best ways to teach. Right. And so I wanted to spend some time this week basically going through how about this? Two agenda items. One, let's talk a little bit more about fix it and how it works, because we do get some questions specifically, is that is this enough? Because it might be that they've come off of a grammar program that can take a half hour to an hour a day and fix it is one sentence a day. You can get that done in as little as 10 minutes, maybe 15. Yeah, or, or two. Yeah. And it's designed specifically right. to be somewhere in that 10 to 15 minute a day zone. Right, right. So at the risk of making this sound like this is a infomercial for Fix It, I, I do want to just invite you, listener, just to listen a little bit about how we approach grammar using fix it why we think it's so effective and then we'll get to some of the other questions that we might have in the context of is fix it the the best way to teach grammar or is there another way well and the history of mm -hmm. how this program came to be sure. is also kind of interesting right um, many 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 years ago mm -hmm. uh, someone recommended to me uh, a book called grammar with a giggle and um, I was persuaded to purchase the book and I liked the idea tremendously. In fact, I had actually kind of stumbled into doing the same thing that was recommended in this book before mm -hmm. I had read the book. Mm -hmm. The basic idea was you're teaching in a school and you have students who are writing and they make errors or do goofy things. It can be anything from homonyms to various, you know, mechanics like punctuation, capitalization mm -hmm. can be, you know, tense number agreement problems could be just a, mm -hmm. a goofy word. And how do you teach that? How do you help them learn what they need to learn without using the very inefficient method of ex post facto, which is where you sit down and explain this is what you did wrong, and this is what you should have done, and this is the next thing you did wrong and what you should have done. And that doesn't last very long until the student is particularly uninterested in continuing to hear about all the things they should have done better. Right. 
And, you know, in a school with a teacher, they call it conferencing, mm -hmm. and it's not quite as painful. Uh, with a mom and a child at home, it's it's even it's a little more painful. Mm -hmm. And and I had long noted it's not very efficient either because if you have a lot of students, it just takes so much time. Right. So the idea I had come up with and the idea she articulated in much more detail in that book was you kind of, as you're marking student papers, copy something that was wrong or goofy onto a, a notepad, fix it in the student paper, and then copy that sentence. So fix it, copy it, fix it, copy it. Hand back those things. And then over here on your little notepad, you've got a bunch of sentences that are examples of things that this group of students needs to work on. Right. And, and you do this in your Structure and Style for Students video. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. Then, and, and this is her idea, you know, had particular appeal, was try to then write a little story embedding all of these same errors and goofinesses. Mm-hmm. And if possible, make the story humorous. Use the names of the children in your class mm -hmm. and keep the story going on week after week. And I, I really like that idea. And I wasn't teaching in a school, so it wasn't as though I had to deal with the same kids day after day, week after week. But I thought, no, that, that's a great idea. And she had some nice examples, somewhat worldly, uh, you know, kind of not the same type of thing I would write, mm -hmm. but I liked it. So I sold the book mm -hmm. for a while, and I discovered uh, a couple things. She had a first one and then a, kind of like a middle school version, then kind of a high school version. And I discovered, number one, most teachers and almost all homeschool moms do not have the time to create these little ongoing stories. Right. And... and not just the time, but sometimes just even the the aptitude for doing it and doing it in an engaging, effective way. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing is I was getting some complaints about the, like I said, the kind of worldly content in the examples in the book. And mm -hmm. I would, of course, say it's just an example. You don't use that. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. make your own. But it was by public school for public school teachers from a previous generation. Mm -hmm. So while I love the idea, it didn't fit our, mm -hmm. you know, Clientele. client base. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, it would be fun to create a book that did this, had all the embedded errors, and was a good story that would be general enough that everyone could appreciate. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe even like a classic story that would be good for everyone to know. And that's when I approached Pamela White right. with the idea mm -hmm. of let's create our own mm -hmm. uh, book. And um, so originally, I think we called it Fix It, Grammar and Editing Made Easy with Classics mm -hmm. because that was our goal was mm -hmm. to create this editing practice book. And the first iteration had several stories of increasing complexity all in one volume which was a little much to bite off mm -hmm. all at once. Mm -hmm. And uh, since then, we now have six volumes, starting very simple, about a grade four or five reading level, which I think is the right time to get a little more serious about the idea of 
teaching proofreading skills and analytical type mm-hmm. of grammar and mm-hmm. labeling things and all that. And then it goes all the way up to level six, which honestly, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I, I, actually, I did try. Okay. And I discovered that my knowledge mm-hmm. of grammar does not go that far. Okay. <laughs> and so people, you know, often will ask me, well, you know, is this is this enough? Like if we did all six books, um, would it be high school? And my answer is, well, if you did, if you got all the way through and did fix it level six, you would know more analytical grammar than 99.9999999% of all English speaking people on earth <laughs> and 100% of all college students. <laughs> um, it's pretty detailed. And of mm-hmm. course, you know, Pamela White, that's mm-hmm. her love. I yes. mean, she's, she is our resident final authority when mm-hmm. it comes to grammar questions. Mm-hmm. Well, um, and I, I just want to, I want to speak to that just really quickly. We, of course, we have our source text. We have all these materials that we produce as a writing company teaching English composition. And when we stumble upon a, hmm, how do we do this in this sentence, we look to see what Fix-It does. And that's our grammar guide right there. There's <laughs> yeah. our style guide, grammar, Fix-It, Fix-It Grammar. Yeah. So I, uh, I'm i very pleased with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, I'm pleased with, you know, the whole progression. Mm-hmm. It came from an idea I had... I had kind of thought up myself and Mm -hmm. then, you know, expansion of that idea uh, and then a refinement and improvement Mm -hmm. and then a completion to the point now where we win all the curriculum first place awards for grammar, for grammar. Very cool. Which um, and we're not even, you know, a grammar company. Well, like some. Let's see. What was the paradox? You need to know enough grammar to be able to write well, but you don't need to know grammar. Something like that. Yeah, one of the paradoxes. Yeah. Can I just ask this question then that's on our list of questions to talk about? Mm -hmm. This idea of enough is, just ask, is, it only takes 15 minutes, like I said, it only takes 15 minutes a day. And the reason for that is they're just looking for and correcting the embedded errors in one sentence. And the next day they're going to do another sentence and Mm -hmm. it's all strings together to create a story. Mm -hmm. What I... Sorry, another plug for Fix-It. What I love about Fix-It is it's not just doing applied and analytical grammar. It's also doing vocabulary because there's built-in vocabulary mm-hmm. words and penmanship because the idea is to rewrite the story that you've corrected into your own little composition notebook so mm-hmm. that by the end of the year you have a complete story of Robin Hood or at least the tale of Little John and Robin Hood and them getting to trouble over that the part of the book. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to be able to do that whole Robin Hood in 30 weeks. But is that enough? Is that enough time to spend on grammar? Well, let's recall the idea of grammar as an art. Okay. And juxtapose it with other arts, such as drawing or playing music. If you spend 15 minutes a day, five days a week, four or five days a week, for six years, doing anything, you will be pretty good at that. Yes. Now, you could, of course, spend more time, right? You could spend half an hour, you know, four or five days a week for six years, or two hours, four or five days a week for six years. 
you know, it's an infinite thing. You could probably study grammar the rest of your life, mm-hmm. just like you could practice the piano or paint pictures the rest of your life, and you would keep getting better and better and better mm-hmm. at doing that. But where's the utility? Mm-hmm. Is going to be most people's questions. You know, what? What is? When? When do you have enough mm-hmm. about grammar? So. I think the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is baseline a lot of knowledge and, and mastery. And as I said, if you get through book six, you you know more than almost anyone. Right. And you used the term just now, almost in passing, mastery. This is a mastery approach. Right. Because uh, the same embedded errors keep coming back and, and uh, you practice and practice and practice and pretty soon it becomes a habit mm-hmm. and then... Then that thing dies out and a new thing comes in right. and you practice, practice, practice. And so there's always, you know, new ideas coming into the sentences for the week mm-hmm. and then, uh, you know, an approximately corresponding number of things that you have mastered mm-hmm. uh, going out. Right. Although my observation is by the end of the book, there's more mm-hmm. in each week's sentences oh, definitely. than there was in the beginning. Oh, so yes. they're coming in faster than they're going out, but <laughs> that's okay. And the other thing I've noticed with kids is this attention to detail. They just look at the thing, and uh, in the first few books, there's actually a list. Here's all the things you need to find. Mm-hmm. And so they're kind of going through a checklist. Okay, capitals. Okay, end marks. Okay, commas. Okay, you know, plurals, okay, homonyms. And they're, they're going through the whole list and looking. It, it's almost like a little bit of detective mm-hmm. work in a way. And that has an appeal. It's it's kind of a game-like challenge. Yep. And we never grade. There, There's no final test. There's no you get a grade on this. It's just like you play this game every day mm-hmm. and see how well you can do. Mm-hmm. And you get better and better. And if you're getting better, you like it more and more. So, okay, that was one of our questions. How do you grade Fix-It Grammar, for example? How do you grade this particular book? Yeah, well, if you think of a typical way you would grade papers or mm-hmm. tests is you would you know, have worksheets that you would do. And if you did them, mm-hmm. you would get a score based on the number of right answers, mm-hmm. possibly. Mm-hmm. Or then you would take a test that was a accumulation of all the things you had been practicing, mm-hmm. and you would get a score based on the percentage of right answers. Mm-hmm. But in our fix-it, you, you don't need that because you just keep doing it, and pretty soon you're getting it every time. Right. And so there's no need to score it or test it. So I would default to the A for accomplished. Mm-hmm. You know, you did it today. You got an A. It's, right. It doesn't mean, you know, it's better than anybody else. It's just you did it. Mm-hmm. And in doing it, you learn, you get better, you grow in confidence, you gain mastery. And then it's just the consistency over time. So I think if you set up a grading system mm-hmm. that acknowledges the fact that you consistently did mm-hmm. this and got to the end of the book, well, why shouldn't that be an A in grammar? Right. Yep. And there is an answer key with this. It's the teacher book. Right. And so a student, hypothetically, could check their own work to see how they did. I think so. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's more enjoyable, I think, 
to do it in a small group if mm -hmm. possible mm -hmm. because then you can, you know, everyone can try to do their best. Mm -hmm. And then you can go through the, the answer key or mm -hmm. whatever, the teacher's book, and see, okay, did you get all those things? Mm -hmm. Did you find it and fix it? That's why it's called fix it. Right. Yeah, we've got it. We yeah. fixed it. Yep. But it, it could be, you know, especially for an older student, a self-study, mm -hmm. self-correct kind of approach. Mm -hmm. All right. So before we go too far into this conversation, top questions that we get from families, parents, teachers that call us, why don't we have diagramming in Fix It? Well, you know, I have never been opposed to diagramming per se. And there is some convenience in learning simple diagrams, especially when they're simple. Here's the subject, here's the predicate, here's a prepositional phrase that comes off something. But once you get into longer, more complex sentences, unfortunately, they can be diagrammed in different ways according to different people's idea of how that should happen. So it's kind of funny if you follow some of these uh, websites where people are trying to figure out really complex diagramming, they just, they always want to know the right answer. Mm -hmm. Only the people who do it a little better may have different answers from each other. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's not an exact or precise science. It's not easy to have an answer key. And then if you didn't do it that way, but you did it a different way, well, are you wrong? Right. Maybe, maybe not. There's right. no way to really know. It's just, it's not like math. So I'm not opposed to people doing it and learning it, but I think they need to have a little bit of flexibility. The question I always ask is, is it the best use of time? Mm -hmm. Right? And that's always the question we have, schools and homeschools. Time is our currency, that's right. what we have to spend. So if you're doing one thing, you're not doing something else. So if you are puzzling over a complex diagram, getting a bit frustrated because you can't know whether you're doing it right or not, and there's 20, 30 minutes, could you have done something else mm -hmm. with that 20, 30 minutes in an associated language arts development way? Right. So that's, you know, why we... but but. I'm not opposed mm -hmm. to the diagramming. If people want it and like it, there's plenty of resources out there. Mm -hmm. I guess, you know, I'm a boy, so I tend to like things that are quicker and easier <laughs> and still get the job done. And I think our fix-it approach mm -hmm. fits that bill. Right. Okay, so we also had uh, a question, and I know you have all the questions. This is not an Ask Andrew Anything. Usually when we do those types of podcasts. I don't let Andrew see the questions she ahead of time. surprises me. I'd like to surprise him and catch him off guard, but this time he's got the questions as well, just so that we can have more of a conversation. But there are grammar programs that incorporate music in teaching of parts of speech or whatever. And can, can you speak to that? Yeah, well, certainly with young children, chanting and singing is a great way to acquire a familiarity mm -hmm. with something. There are some limitations to it. I had a daughter who went to third grade in a school that used a particular grammar mm -hmm. program. She's mm -hmm. young, eight years old. 
and she could do this thing, you know, Johnny went to the store. Who went to the store? Johnny, 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 subject noun. What did Johnny do? Johnny went. Where did Johnny go? To the store. Two, uh, preposition, the store, object of the preposition. She could kind of run this little verbal pattern. But then when you ask her, so what is a preposition? I don't know. Mm-hmm. She, she, so I don't know that it was particularly a bad thing, mm-hmm. but it was bordering on that idea of pushing the analytical grammar idea at an age before that abstraction comes mm-hmm. in. So you can memorize all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's particularly harmful. Yeah, there, there's a story that you actually share on structure and style for students at the high school for level C, year one, where you are talking about prepositions, actually. And there are some students in that class who had memorized them and they knew a song for it. Right. And you had mentioned that, yes, my kids learn the states and capitals. Right. But if they wanted to know what the capital of Louisiana was, they had to go through the whole song to get to. Right. That's one thing that memorizing things with music or Mm -hmm. in an intensely rhythmic pattern Mm -hmm. makes it easier but then the random access of that information is not as easy. Mm-hmm. You meet people my age and you say, what letter comes after P? <laughs> and they have to go through the whole thing, A, B, C, G, F, G, H, G, L, M, N, P, Q. Because we, we learned it by song and we haven't, we haven't consciously worked to acquire random mm-hmm. access ability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, you know, I think we, we can benefit from uh, chanting and singing, and it has a strong appeal for young children. But we need to be able to practice using that information outside the context of the chant or the song. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Okay, so this this is a question that I'm going to ask you that's specific to our online classes. So IEW does teach with Structure and Style for Students and fix it as a part of the curriculum for our online classes. And is there a value or is there a problem if students have already done, for example, they've already done Fix-It Book 3 and mm-hmm. now they're being asked to do it again? Do you think there's value in redoing one of our Fix-It Books? Well, I actually taught mm. the same Fix-It Book okay. twice to different groups of kids. Mm-hmm. And what I realized was I understood it better. I had just an edge more mm-hmm. mastery. And I kind of knew everything anyway already. But there was that added level of certainty and confidence and speed. Mm-hmm. So we Americans by nature don't do repetition terribly well. Uh, our attitude is, oh, yeah, I did that. You know, oh, yeah, I played that piece. Oh, yeah. I read that book. Oh, yeah, I've been there. However, you know, if we look at the value of repetition, Mm -hmm. and I've got a whole talk on this Mm -hmm. thing, you know, 10,000 times then begins understanding. Right. I've really shifted over to understand the value of hearing the same thing again and reading the same thing again and doing the same activity again because the second time you do it, you you gain more, you do it at a slightly higher level, you see things you didn't see necessarily the first time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, anything worth reading is worth reading more than once. 
it's kind of true, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, you know the story now. Okay, well, so now you know the story. You're not distracted by the newness of the story. Right. You can look at the sentences and gain a little speed. So I don't think any student would probably complain about that. But I used to be very afraid of people who would – This is I had this fear for years – people who would come to my writing seminar and then buy the video – or they would buy the video and come to my seminar. I thought, I'm selling them the same thing twice. This is so awful. They're going to be bored. No. Some of the families we know watch that whole writing seminar year after year for three or four or five years. Yep. And they always come up to me and say, I've seen this four times, but I just heard something I never heard before. Exactly. I just noticed something I mm-hmm. never noticed before. So I think that's true in most everything and in the fix it as well. I think that's a, just a great lesson to teachers and parents to reinforce this to our students and children. It's okay to do the same thing over again and work on, and work on mastery. Yeah, and go back to music and sports. Mm-hmm. You play the same pieces. Even mm-hmm. though you've learned them, you keep practicing, making them better and easier. You go into a sport, you do the same exercises, not because you need to learn it, but because you need it to become second nature mm-hmm. even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, here's another question that's from uh, one of our customers. She said that her son already knows more grammar than she does. Mm -hmm. And so does he really need to continue on? He's in book two. She can. I mean, he can or not. They They can choose to learn more grammar or not. You know, go back to the music analogy. Mm -hmm. You could play up through book two in violin and Mm -hmm. say, did that, done with it, Mm want to go on and do guitar or Mm -hmm. triangle or sing. Right. You could also say, well, this is going pretty well. Let's keep on and go through book three and book four. And then pretty soon, you know, you're playing violin repertoire that very few people on earth can play. Right. It doesn't mean you have to do it. Right. It's always an option. Mm -hmm. It's always an option. But it's a nice thing for that mom to feel like, aha, this child, even though relatively young and even though we've only been doing a bit of this, is now on my shoulders. Exactly. And isn't that our, our own goal? I, I, and, I, and I love that. You know, all of my boys can spell better than me. It's just, <laughs> it's just true. And I'm really grateful that they can. And they, and they could actually spell better than me when they were in middle school. Well, and my teacher, Dr. Suzuki, mm-hmm. one of his famous aphorisms his, mm-hmm. his sayings was, student must become better than teacher yes. or both have failed. Mm-hmm. So that's so okay. something to think about. Yeah. Yep. Okay, Andrew, maybe we should end with this one because we're running out of time. But I do think it's appropriate because, as you mentioned, we have six levels of fix-it currently. And this one of our customers asked, what should I do when I'm done with book six? My response would be, go serious into a foreign language Mm. Mm -hmm. and pick something that's really... This would be after you take them out to dinner to celebrate a tremendous (laughs) accomplishment (laughs) then. Okay. (laughs) Well, I mean, at at that point, it's kind of driven by the student, Mm -hmm. right? But if you finish book six, fix it, English grammar and and editing, you could probably get a job as an editor, Mm. at least somewhere doing some helping someone 
I mean, look at all the people who desperately need help. But in terms of the study level, why not go hardcore into Latin or French or Russian? Or maybe you're interested in Chinese or Korean. Mm -hmm. You know, with that level of grammar facility, you're going to be able to much more quickly get into a deeper, you know, academic level of study of a foreign language and probably enjoy it tremendously. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, there you go. There's your challenge. Get through book six and rule the world. <laughs> well, the other thing, too, is a person who did that is likely to be in their mid or late teens would mm -hmm. be my guess. Mm -hmm. Why not teach a writing and grammar class to younger children? Yeah, you always encourage your older students to do very that very thing. So, well, Andrew, this has been truly a fascinating two weeks discussing grammar. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? <laughs> so I hope, listener, that this has been helpful to you. And if you haven't done so already, do look at our Fix-It Grammar program. I think you'll find it enjoyable to teach, and I think your kids will find it enjoyable to learn as well. And by teaching it, you will learn some stuff you didn't expect to learn. It's true. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcast. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Pudua and the team at IEW, I thank you for allowing us to partner with you on your journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking.